It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Hello, and welcome to the BBC Country Farm magazine podcast. The podcast, as we call it. My name is Fergus Collins, and I'm the editor of the magazine. Today, I'm on an adventure in the Upper Thames Valley. I'm looking for the source of the River Thames. I'm headed out from Bristol to the Cotswolds in search for the source of England's most famous river, the River Thames. Obviously, the Thames flows 215, 214 miles from the Cotswolds to London and the Thames estuary through the heart of England. But, and there is an official source of the Thames, which I am slowly heading towards. I'm currently in a flooded meadow Uh, near the village of Kemble. And there's a little waterway here. Well, it's quite a big waterway. I'm sure it's very tiny in springtime. But it's actually got a lot of water flowing fast across this meadow. And I'm following the wisest way until we reach the Thames itself. Now, I want to head from here to the source of the Thames. I'm at a place called Thames Head. But that's not the whole story. There is a rival source for the Thames. So we're going to have a look at the official source... We're going to look at the rival source and we're going to make a judgment on which one has the better claim. So follow me on this wonderful winter walk through a rather soaked landscape in the heart of England. And hopefully we can uncover the mystery of where the Thames comes from. I'm walking beside a fast-flowing stream. It's a funny sort of day, very overcast, but not raining which is good, and pretty still, which is also good for recording. There's quite a few folk out in the lanes of Cotswolds, but not an awful lot. It's a sleepy Friday in late January. You can hear a, a dunnock in the hedges. There's a few birds singing. A few tits calling. It's the beginning. There's already dawn choruses, and if you're out in the countryside early, you'll be hearing dawn choruses already at this time of year. So it's quite a sullen countryside. It's fallen asleep. Although there's a rookery. So what's that bird making the... Probably a wren, I would say. It's at the base of that hedge somewhere. I think that's a wren. So these are the gravelly cries of rooks Uh, rooks are already beginning to form their breeding colonies even though it's the 24th of January 
they're beginning to you can hear the sort of calling to each other they'll already be furnishing nests or restoring nests from last year and they're some of our earliest birds to breed they're still doing okay rooks in the British countryside there we go a whole load of them at the top of these beech trees yeah good Cotswold colony So why the River Thames? It's one. It's kind of like a symbol of British identity uh, at a time when there's been a lot of discussion about that with Brexit and our place in the world, Britain's place in the world. Churchill's famous for calling it uh, the golden thread running through our history or the golden thread running through our history. Churchill impressions, uh, I, I, yeah, let's leave those out. So it has this has this power in the nation's history and a lot of great historical events have taken place there of course the Danes invaded coming up the Thames Valley several major battles are fought there the Magna Carta was signed by the River Thames 1215 you always hear stories you know, Henry VIII and travelling up the Thames to Hampton Court and life and history and great stories revolved around the Thames so it feels interesting to come and see where it actually starts because most of us picture the Thames as this great brown river in the centre of London, Tower Bridge, the glorious Thames. But actually, the Thames flows for miles through peaceful countryside. I've just found a, a fox scat here, which is basically fox poo, and it's full of little bones. And feathers, so this fox has eaten... Oh, it's full of feathers. This fox has eaten a bird. Some description. That's curious. So right by this little stream leading towards the Thames. This is probably like the first tributary of the Thames. And maybe it's dry in summer because the water's crystal clear flowing over grass. So I imagine all the rain we've had this autumn and winter has meant that this little tributary is actually quite substantial. So this is the first sighting of the Thames. It's just a little, relatively little stream, although with all the winter rain and autumn rain we've had, it's, it's full, full for once. This is probably its first tributary, the little waterway that we've been following across the field. I say we, because <laughs> I'm, I'm with... Jack, our audio engineer, and Hannah, our voiceover actor. <laughs> and here's a dog and here's some cars. So we've got a little wooden bridge to cross the tributary. And here's the Thames. It is probably 20 feet wide here, maximum. It's like a little, it's almost, it's as clear as a chalk stream flowing fast I doubt there'd be much to see in summer, in much water but um, here it is and we're only it's a lot of water and we're only about a mile from the source so, so when the cars aren't storming along this A road it's a very beautiful spot uh, here is an abomination 
dog poo bags, which Country Farm magazines can have a war on in 2020. They really are a disgrace. But on to happier matters. An extract from John Betjeman's A School Trip to Godstow. There is a world of waterweed, seen only from a shallow boat. Deep forests of the bladed reed whose wolves are rats of slimy coat, whose yellow lily blossoms need broad leaves to keep themselves afloat. A heaving world, half land, half flood. It rose and sank as ripples rolled. The hideous lava from the mud clung to a reed with patient hold, waiting to break its sheath and make an aeroplane of green and gold. So we're heading upstream. It's pretty open landscape here, not dramatic at all. Little copses, there are dead trees by the river here, which are kind of evocative, like large crocodiles that have emerged from the water. Sporadic hawthorns along the side of the river, but mostly it's really open to these sheep fields. There's a chaffinch just starting its... Of, yeah, it's a, that's a hopeful sign. A chaffinch just starting its spring song. And here we are still in the middle of winter. Um, there's a few alders along the river. But essentially a peaceful day. Just a couple of dog walkers, a few sheep and way too many cars on the road. And it will be really curious because there's so much water in the river here. I've been to the Thames Head twice in my life before, the, the actual source of the Thames. And there's never been a drop of water there, not even for half a mile, mile from the, from the source itself. So it's a bit disappointing, I feel a bit cheated. Where's the water? And that also makes me think that, is this really the source of the Thames if there's actually no water here? Uh, which is why we're going to look for a, a second challenger to the title Father of the Thames. But today, there might even be water all the way. Mother of the Thames. Father of the Thames. That's yeah, just how it is. Mother Nature. That's well, pretty cool. Surely it's, it's like where it begins, where the life of the Thames starts. True. Old Father Thames, I suppose, is what it's called. So but then, So the source could be the mother. Because it's weird if the father is giving birth to another child. <laughs> well, water's different to humans. I don't know if you've, <laughs> made, don't know if you've spotted that. But. What are these red ones? I think they're older. Oh, no, those are willows. Why are they red? I don't know, actually. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They've, uh, we've caught them unclothed. Little <laughs> Is that a fish rising? No, it wasn't a fish rising. There's just little swirls and eddies in the water. Any fish, any sensible fish will have moved into deeper water for the winter. Very beautiful here, though. And sort of... It's a, it's a limestone -y bed of the river, so it looks a bit like a chalk stream. This would be a great picnic spot. Yes, yeah, so the Thames has quite a lot of significance for me. Uh, I took my parents to the source a few years back. 
because having looked in family albums, I discovered that they'd had a boat on the Thames once upon a time and had travelled up and down. And they'd um, and had been what, you know, back in the 70s, 60s, when they had first met. And it looked very, very romantic. And often, so I've heard a few stories. The boat was called Proud Sala, uh, after Sala the Salmon or something like that. And they, there was obviously a lot of fun had with family and friends, picnics, and, and you could sleep aboard. But they only ever went a certain way. They never came to the full way. In fact, the Thames is only navigable to Lechlade in uh, Oxfordshire, Wiltshire border. So I thought I'd take them to the source. And it was a lovely, it was lovely, actually. Almost like filling in the gap for me as well as them. There's just some red wings over on the other side of the river. It's quite, no, it was lovely, uh, it was a lovely day. And so it's going to be quite nice to return to that spot. See this historic river. So there is a missile thrush. It's a missile thrush singing on the, the far side is now wooded, which is rather rather attractive stretch of the river here. Lots of bird life in the wood. But there is a flock of red wings or some red wings. Yeah, see, there's a whole flock of red wings up there. But there's one of their bigger cousins, the missile thrush, is singing a kind of wistful, rather melancholic notes. So green, the river's really green here, and I don't mean the water's green. It's, there's um, water plants, which are... Oh, gosh, my water plant knowledge isn't very good. Quite leafy. I would go out on a limb and say is water parsnip or a fool's watercress. Quite a leafy green. Well, there goes that. that is a great spotted woodpecker. Just at the top of the tree. Just flew out of the woods and now is clinging to a... So the birds are active, much more active than even a month ago when I came walking along the River Usk. But the river's really wide and it looks like it sort of becomes more swampy wet woodland and the stream from being fast flowing 200 yards 300 400 yards further down is now doing that thing of trying to disappear there's a blue uh, great tit a couple of great tits fighting in a tree here This is a lovely, and so here we've got a funny little weir across the river, just like a dry stone wall, with holes for the water to flow through. I kind of wonder what it's for. You could probably put little water turbines in each of the holes. There's someone's left their dog lead here. So let's have a look at the leaves on the ground. I think this is an alder. I think everything's an alder. It's by water. Now, hold on. Mm, let's have a look at the shape of these. The leaves are so deteriorated that there's some sycamore like leaves as well. 
Yeah, there's a, it's like starting its motor, this chaffinch. Bablock Hive by Lawrence Binion. In the time of wild roses, as up Thames we travelled, where mid-water reeds ravelled, the lily uncloses. To his old shores the river, a new song was singing, and young shoot was springing on old roots forever. Dog daisies were dancing, and flags flamed in cluster on the dark stream's luster, now blurred and now glancing. A tall reed downweighing, the sedge warbler fluttered. One sweet note he uttered, then left it soft swaying. By the bank's sandy hollow, my dipped oars went beating, and past our boughs fleeting, blue-backed shone the swallow. High woods heron-haunted, rows changed as we rounded, old hills greenly mounded to meadows enchanted. A dream ever moulded afresh for our wonder, still opening asunder for the stream many-folded. Till sunset was rimming, the west with pale flushes, behind the black rushes, the last light was dimming. And the lonely stream, hiding shy birds, grew more lonely, and with us was only the noise of our gliding. In clouds of grey weather, the evening o'er-darkened. In stillness we hearkened, our hearts sang together. So we've got a few more fields to cross before we get to the source of this. Following the path, the Thames, Thames Valley path takes us away from the river briefly. So we're leaving the woodland behind, crossing a farm track and heading into a wild meadow. There's a big farm to our right with a green silo and like a huge green tennis ball, whatever that is. Must be some sort of storage for food or waste. Uh, Epically huge barns. This is the sort of fertile heart of the countryside. And the river just chugs a little furrow very discreetly now through this field. The footpath is on a sort of raised edge of the field, so we can't get right down to the river, although we could if we just trespassed slightly. And it's rapidly diminishing in volume. I'm going to go down to it. There's a flock of little finches coming over. And they've settled just ahead. Now, if I had my binoculars, I probably still wouldn't be able to identify them. <laughs> but they are... I, I'm hoping they'll be linnets. Probably linnets. Yeah, they've got a sort of bouncy, bouncy flight of finches. little flock of 30... That's nice to see. Proper winter farmland bird. Not very common these days. Yeah, the river's much smaller. As you'd expect as you get close to the south. Oh, the linnet's back. 
so they like this they like this field because it's much rougher pasture and there's lots of seed heads of dock and things left here oh no that's not dock that's sorrel which just shows us a bit more interesting oh yeah the river's tiny now it's like someone's just taken away half of it so it's funny to think of this being the same river that flows right through the heart of London some 200 miles away with ships and ferries and mighty bridges and the Houses of Parliament and all sorts of grand buildings of state and yet here we could almost jump over it in fact with a good running jump and perhaps slightly better knees I could do it yeah. the law of diminishing rivers is uh, when you walk upstream <laughs> What do you think it would take for a water particle from here to get to land? That's a good question. Um, so, you'd have to work out how many miles an hour the river flows. OK, right, so we're going to test out how fast the water is flowing. It'll be a really rough experiment. So I'm going to chuck a twig in. And I walk at three miles an hour. So I'm walking much faster than it. I'm walking at least four or five times. Yeah. I'm walking slow as well. I think that's going at less than a mile an hour. How many miles to London? 200, let's say 200 miles to London. So that's going to take 200 hours, which divided by 24 is about eight. It's about going to take about eight days. Yeah. Well, you know, that is the most rough calculations you could ever... <laughs> I expect it to be possible. Yeah. And that is based on almost zero science. <laughs> so here comes the bird. Is it, is it yellow? It kind of looked pale. No. That was a tough one. I think that was a yellow hammer without my binoculars to confirm it's, it'll go down as I still don't know my bird songs little brown job little, little yellow job it's not yellow for me <laughs> ok if we're doing a bit more Tim's calculation <laughs> Tim's flow calculation reckon one mile an hour has a base level because I was walking four times faster th at least three times faster than it and the twig we threw in. Uh, so, obviously, our calculations would depend on the river flowing exactly the same speed all the way down, whereas it probably flows a lot slower in the lower reaches. So, if it's going one mile an hour for the first 50 miles, that's going to be 50 hours to get to, say, Oxford. So two days, two days to get to Oxford. And from there to London, it's another sort of 80 miles, something like that, as the, as the river flows. So that's another three days. So that's five days. It's, it's about five, six, or seven or eight days to get to London. 
because it's a bit slower after there. Yeah, I reckon a week. I reckon a week is a safe bet for water here. Gosh, the, now the river here is sort of indeterminate. Yeah, it's spilled its almost non-existent banks. It just flows through the middle of a field. Now, I reckon this bit is normally dry. And so here we are. We are actually witnessing a live River Thames. If indeed this is the Thames, and that is the question we're answering today, but this is... Yeah, so we're squelching through just a, a wet meadow now. And that's why the footpath was... <laughs> this is a very wet meadow. This is going to take some emergency evacuation. <laughs> yeah. So we can't progress straight towards the source here. The river won't let us. But now we're coming towards a very busy road. It's the Foss Way ahead, which is the Roman road between sort of Bath and Sirencester. Uh, it's just the A433. Oh, someone agrees. Oh, hold on. We've got... Uh, police aren't happy that we're questioning the official official story on the source of the Thames. So now we've got a sort of broad lake here. It's very shallow. Um, but the river sort of now begins to disappear. In fact... Where does it go? Yeah, there's a sort of there's a sort of streamlet coming out of the woods, but I think it's coming under the road somehow. It's directly because of that fence there. So this is crazy. So this, it's a far, from a fast-flowing river. We've now got just a still body of water in the middle of a field, and we're still. On, at a distance, a quarter of a mile from the actual official Thames source. Yeah, here's the very, here's an infant River Thames. And it sort of gushes straight into the meadow as if it hasn't really done this very often. So it hasn't really worked out a plan where to go. That's weird. So for a short distance, there's no actual river channel. And it kind of splurges into the into the grass, and then it forms the river again. This is great. So on the other side of the road, it's a massive pool, 500 metres long. And some rubbish, lots of rubbish to pick up. And there are gulls paddling around on it. So this is the still part of the baby Thames, but probably. 500 metres long and 100, 120 metres wide. It's almost like a Parkland lake. Uh, and loads of black-headed gulls and lesser black-backed gulls. But they're all taking off now. What made that big swirl just there? That wasn't a bird. Birds were all off the water. Something, something really big swirled in the water. I wonder if there's a fish in there. Get your shoes up again. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it might have been just a, a, a bird I didn't see, but it, there's, there's definitely things 
rising on the water here. Can't be fishing this thing. It was really weird to see a big swirl in the water, but oh well. It'll remain a mystery. It probably was just a late flying seagull that I didn't see it actually taking off from the water. It'd be brilliant to see something leaping around in there, trapped in its own lake for a, till spring. I think it might. There's midges. See, there's lots of midges. No, in but it's it's more than a midge. It's like a concentration. Yeah, it's moving around. Yeah, there's something up there, but... Uh, hold on, no, it's bubbling. That's just bubbles coming up from the... That's essentially gases being released from the field. Or a worm's burrow or something like that. Suddenly, very when there's no traffic, it's very, very peaceful. There's not a, barely a ripple on this lake. This flood lake. Um, we're not far from the source now, but this is a huge body of water. So this is kind of going to hold... This is going to keep the, the, that stretch of Thames flowing for quite a while. There's another missile thrush singing far away in some, like, a, like an enormous hedgerow, an overgrown hedgerow. Uh, so basically, there's a footpath between, along a fence with an arable field on the higher ground to, our, to the south, my left as I walk upstream. And there's this massive lake. Uh, beyond that, parkland, and then a big hedge, and a nice house. So, uh, and I can now see a line of stream above the lake. So, still some way, still water coming from somewhere. I'm quite excited to find the source now. When I came with my parents, we walked from the Thames Head pub, and having had a coffee there. And there was an apple tree on the path, so it's a slightly different path to where I am walking now. There's an apple tree on the path, and it was that time of year, so it must have been September, October. Uh, and we tried a couple of these apples. They were the most delicious apples I've ever eaten. So I, I marked it as a, on my maps as a place to come back and pick apples, but I've never been back, so... If anyone ever finds the apples, the magic apple at the source of the Thames, then uh, do do contact do contact me and let me know what you think. I just remember being crisp and sweet and tangy and just wonderful. Yeah, now beyond the lake and the water is petering out. Well, it's still, you know, because it's so boggy, you couldn't take a running jump at it. And you can hear it's very foggy underfoot here. And this is just the footpath. I'm walking alongside the stream, a couple of metres across, and it really doesn't look like it's familiar with flowing along here. In fact, there's a lot of water here, uh, even in the arable field above me. It's, it's pooling, and it's going to be quite a wading job to get through this next section.
ahead this very um, Cotswold landscape of dry stone walls. A few cows grazing on the horizon on higher land, higher ground. You couldn't put livestock on this. You couldn't even do a lot of planting at the moment. Uh, yes, it's a distinct, distinct line in the field where the water is flowing, but it's almost as if it's, it's temporary and the river is sort of it's just a line in, a line in the field now but it goes on I think I see the source stone actually this is beginning to look familiar yeah we're really close to the source now we're going to have to do some wading Oh my goodness, that's over my boots. That is the gate's lament, the, the great lament of each, each gate has a different, different tone. I like the lamenting gates of the Cotswold. Let's hear it again. Oh, there we are. Yeah, the lone, oh, it's like a banshee. The lonely lament, <laughs> it must be. Jack's face as he's got earphones on and a sound boom as the banshee whale grabs him. So there's just a couple of these, I think might be ash trees. <gasps> a dandelion. There is life. So in the distance there's a stone, which is the, the source stone of old Father Thames. There is still a course of, a sort of river course here. Okay, this is unusual. I can see the source stone of the River Thames and I'm still walking in water. You couldn't say it's exactly flowing here. It's sort of moving tiny bit. This obviously must be moving because it's there's a river course here. The cattle have been in here so any sort of structure the river, the infant river has, is largely lost. Uh, there's a couple of meanders ahead. I guess this is still, you could still call this the River Thames. It's a really weird feeling actually. Weird feeling, standing in this river, which I, I lived in London for 20 years as a child and in my 20s. And, uh, yeah, well, it's fun to see that the river that I know so well here in the kind of three inches deep. I just waded across the Thames, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's a proper squelch. Squelch of the year. Yeah, it's hard going. Uh, 
finding getting to the source. And there's a lovely oh, very deep there. It's a lovely great tit singing the song of the source of the Thames. Sort of the encouraging notes. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Beyond this bog, the river pretty much fades away. It's only 200 yards to the source now, to the source stone. But the river, even in all this wet, it's barely here. How on earth do we get across this bit? It's a deep, a deep pool, not part of the river. Oh, well, that's clever, making a bridge. Hannah the sapper. Ah, oh, cool. That was a pike <laughs> leaping in the source of the. Looks a bit like a pike. A piece of wood you've deployed. That's cool. Well, well done. Ah! Well, I didn't effectively get across, but what? Well, uh, this is quite uh, an adventure now. I doubt anyone's come up here for a while because it's so boggy. No, there's a footprint. Ah, there are footprints here. Just I'm saying, no one's come up, come up here. No one's been in as intrepid as we have. And there's a massive footprint. So it's all just now a series of boggy pools and very wet, very wet meadow. So this meadow is called Thames Mead. And here is the source. Oh, there is water here. It's wet that way. It's wet further up. It's wet even further up beyond the source. But I think there's a sort of pool beneath the source stone, which you don't buy it. <laughs> so at the very, there's a sort of stone-lined puddle pool uh, beneath the source. And there's a, here's the stone, looks like marble, and it says, Conservators of the River Thames, 1857 to 1974. This stone was placed here to mark the source of the River Thames. It's very hard to read, it's quite worn. Uh, Thames Barrier is 184 miles away. It says. That's made the maths difficult. Yeah, that's that's tricky. Although, and there are snowdrops here. Ah, good. That's good. I was hoping we'd see some snowdrops. Snowdrops at the source of the Thames. Maybe snowdrops are the source of the river. So I'm going to take my shoes and socks off, and I'm going to just have a little splash in the source of the Thames. Okay, so I've got... Oh, this is disgusting. I've got shoes and socks off. I'm actually going to paddle in the muddiest pool. The sauce of the tent. It's not that cold. Bizarrely. There we go. It's so slimy and soggy. But I'm actually stuck. There we go. Could someone... T- could you take a photo? <laughs> <laughs> to prove I'm here. So, 
So it takes seven days for the water, we reckon seven days for the water to reach the Thames barrier from the source. Well, it's going to take about ten days just to get off this poop. Oh, it's so cold. Um, so seven days for that water that I've just trod in. Uh, so if there's a horrible smell of cheese in London in seven days' time, <laughs> I can't even get back up the bank. Um, you'll know what, who to blame. Gorgonzola, I tend to think. Right, here we go. So this is the source of the Thames. The official source of the Thames. But, there is some conjecture. Because, firstly, water doesn't flow straight from the source here. Now clearly there is a sort of line across the fields to where it does flow. But, um, my feet are cold. There is a challenger. There's another, another river, the River Churn, which starts near Cheltenham. Has a separate claim to be the source of the Thames because it would make a big difference if the River Churn was the official source. It would mean that the Thames would be 229 miles long from source to sea. At the moment it is 214. The River Severn is 220 miles, so that's the longest river in England. And the longest river in the British Isles is 224 miles, which is the River Shannon in Ireland. So if the Thames added this extra bit, it would be the longest river in the British Isles. Now, I think that's actually sort of significant in a sort of nerdy way. And it'd be worth testing those claims. So we're going to see if the river, what the river churn offers. But first I'm going to put my shoes and socks back on and squelch. We're going to squelch back across a couple of miles of squelchous land. So we're walking back down this field, the, one of these Thames side fields, and now it's, it's amazing to see the river flowing really quite substantially again, having been just puddles. There's rapids there. <laughs> um, so the dynamics of baby rivers are extraordinary. Go from nothing to something very, very quickly. An extract from Prothalamion by Edward Spencer. Calm was the day, and through the trembling air sweet-breathing Zephyrus did softly play, a gentle spirit that lightly did delay hot Titan's beam, which then did glister fair. When I, whose sullen care through discontent of my long, fruitless stay in Prince's court, an expectation vain of idle hopes which still do fly away like empty shadows did afflict my brain, walked forth to ease my pain along the shore of the silver-streaming Thames, whose rutty bank, with which his river hems, was painted all with variable flowers, and all the meads adorned with dainty gems, fit to deck maidens' bowers and crown their paramours against the bridal day, which is not long, sweet Thames, Run softly till I end my song. So now we can leave the source of the Thames behind and head to potentially the controversial real source of the Thames, somewhere near Cheltenham. Off we go. 
So as we get in the car and head north of Sirencester to find what might actually be the real source of the Thames, somewhere in the Cotswold Plateau near Cheltenham, it's time to pause this adventure. To find out what happens next in part two of our exploration of the true source of Britain's most famous river. For now, thank you to Jack Bateman for helping record and produce these podcasts and to Hannah Tribe for braving the mud and bad jokes and reading those lovely poems. So tune in next week. For now, do let me know what you think of the podcast by emailing me, editor at countryfile.com. And just a quick word to say that the Country Farm magazine podcast has been shortlisted for a national award, the Publishers Podcast Awards. We find out if we've won later this spring. But for now, goodbye. <laughs>